I want to join others who've welcomed you. My name's Lloyd Shadrach. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I know most of you know that. And those of you online know that, but, but some don't. And uh, we believe in team teaching. And so I serve alongside our lead pastor, Rob Sweet, who's teaching at our Franklin campus. And Rob will be here next week and I'll be down there just so you know if you're a guest, this is how we function. Um, a lot going on. I, I, I wanna make a brief comment about um, uh, the, the recent mask mandate and, and the uptick in, in uh, COVID cases. And, you know, we told you from the very beginning, we laid out some principles that are gonna guide us. Those c- principles continue to guide and direct us. Your safety matters. We're citizens of a community and we care about this community. We're, we're here for the community, not just for ourselves. Um, that mask mandate, there's an exemption for churches, but we as a leadership group, we strongly encourage you, you to wear masks. Now, you don't have to, but we strongly encourage it. If, if you're here coming in and out, interacting with people, uh, but, but not, not required. We're doing protocols in student ministry and the nursery uh, as, as well as anyone around, I think. And so we want it to be a safe environment for you. There are many of you that are online right now. I'm so glad you're online. And you, you know, it's not a safe environment for you not just church at times, but other places. And so that's why we have options. And you can watch online because being together, quite frankly, is not an option, but there are different ways to be together. And we're gonna monitor, you know, as our, as our attendance rises and it gets a little harder to social distance in here, y'all, we'll, we'll, we'll make adjustments so that we can maintain some distance and some safety protocols. Well, a lot has happened in, in my life, in our life, uh, mine and Lisa, since I last saw you. Um, Lisa and I, along with uh, Mike and, and Michelle Smalling, uh, we had just the unbelievable joy of seeing our, our son Darden marry Mike and Michelle's daughter, Jordan Smalling, last Saturday. I'll start crying if I start talking about it too long. It's amazing and just what a gift, you know? And, and I mean this when I say it, two of the happiest days of my life, their rehearsal dinner and their wedding. Um, you know, that same week, I had a visit with a member at Fellowship, Ken Crablay, some of you know. Uh, about two years ago, Ken got a diagnosis, just kind of out of the blue, quite frankly, on sta- he has stage four liver cancer. 30, 30 something chemotherapy treatments later, he's, um, it's, not, it's not working. And so I sat with Ken before I was, because I was gone last week, I said, well, I want to come sit with you and um, sat with him and Mary Jane the day before they sat to meet with hospice. Deep sadness, I mean, of course. Uh, you know, I learned of a fellowship member since last time I've been here teaching, you know, uh, Roger Idstrom. He's been in the ICU with COVID. I know, I know people, you know, some of us can go, it's just like the flu and it is for some and some it's not. Uh, my, whole fam- my whole Shadrach family, my brother, Darden, who my son is named after, he got COVID the week of his wedding and all of my whole family was unable to attend. A lot of sadness even amidst the gladness. You know, I've been following the fires out West. I don't know if you have, just because it's life is happening. Oh yeah. And, and, and uh, that came home as uh, Jerry Rooker showed me a picture of fire bearing down at Estes Park where he has a home that he's allowed me to visit and be at and some of you as well. A lot of just angst around that. Um, I've gotten news of difficult pregnancies uh, as well as wonderful births. How do we not watch what happened up here? Firstborns. I'll start crying again. <laughs> you know, if I think about you all who stood up here with firstborns, what a gift. Uh, we had a presidential debate amidst an election that's pretty, pretty hard, you know, in a lot of different ways. 
Uh, I could find myself exasperated, quite frankly. I couldn't watch it, just as me, you know, I just got all worked up, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't watch this thing. And uh, coronaviruses, coronavirus on the uptick. I mean, it was just, I, I don't know. I say all that to say, for me, sometimes I, I, I just want to say, what's going on in the world? You know, I just, what in the world is going on in our world? I don't know if you ever, you know, want to yell that. Um, well, you know, it's part of why we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Because the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, here's what's going on in the world. Now, here's how you live. But may I say, we're in this section on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said, you know, the world says this, but I say this. And Jesus tells us to live. I, I, I mean, it's trying to say, it's like he's from another planet. Like, you don't understand this is how the world works. You know what I'm saying? Don't, do you ever feel that? And then I want to scream again. You know what I want to scream? You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. You know, Rob's message last week. I hope you don't miss that. I just, he's just a phenomenal teacher. And man, when he began to go through this really hard passage and, and Jesus is basically saying, look, if someone punches you, don't punch him back. No, 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 no. It goes further than that. If someone punches you, give him a candy bar. Do, do good to the one. And you're sitting there going, what? You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. Well, Rob and I want to hit the, a little bit of a pause button. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. So, so I want you to know, you're looking back here going, are we on the Sermon on the Mount? Or are we doing something different today? We're in the Sermon on the Mount. But we can't understand the Sermon on the Mount unless we understand what in the world is going on in the world. Now, Rob's touched on this. We've touched on this. But we just felt like we do a little deeper dive right here, right at this moment in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't mean what's going on in the world in 2020. When I say, let me tell you what I mean. I mean, can you answer the question, what's going on in the world from the beginning of time to the moment we're in and to the moments that are yet to come? Can, can you answer that question? And I'm, I'm just telling you, if you can't answer that question, and I'm not being silly when I say this, you don't understand the Sermon on the Mount. You can't. And may I say this? You and I can't live without hope. You and I can't have hope if we can't answer that big question. And so this morning, I'm gonna start a message. That's what's behind me on the board. I won't finish it. Rob will go deeper on a part of it next week. And then I'll finish what I've started uh, that third week when I come back. And here's how I want to start. And I'm going to fly. This is going to be one of those where, you, you know, you're going to go, what just hit me? I, you know, and, and I hope you, you, if you get 20% of what I'm going to go through, it's enough. But I want to start here. If, if you were to ask a hundred random people, non-Christian, Christian, Hindu, but just anyone, hundred random people, and you were to say, hey, hey man, would you, if you could boil down the message of Jesus into one word, one phrase, one statement, hey, what, what, what would you say was the message of Jesus? And I want you to answer that. Tell me, what, what would they say? And there's not a wrong, you're not gonna yell out a wrong answer, you know, but what, what would they say is the, the message of Jesus? Jesus' Jesus' message could be boiled down to this. What, what might they say? Yell some out. Love, love, love. what else? Grace, what else? 
y'all are really yelling. Like, like I'm hearing boom like that, you know, grace, forgiveness. What else? Mercy. Yeah, that's all. Yes, 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 yes. But may I say, if you were to ask Jesus, and if you were to look at our Bible, if we were to look at our Bible and say, well, based on what he said, what was his main message? It wouldn't be any of the things you just said. Now, the things you said, here's what's crazy. The things you said, yes, yes, yes. Those are things he said and those really matter. But there's something else that goes above those things. And then every, all the things you said, love, mercy, forget, all those things come out of this. But, but, but he's, he, had a, he had a message. <laughs> and I want us to walk through that message. We don't have to guess what the message is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start here. We're just gonna go straight to Jesus's words and in, in the gospel of Mark, which is the first gospel that was written, um, Jesus begins his public ministry in Mark chapter one, uh, verses 15 and 16. And these are the first public words Jesus spoke, okay? So, so I wanna start here. And if you'll look up here at the board, I'm gonna be drawing stuff, y'all. And I know you can't see it all the way in the back, but I think you'll get the, 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 the gist of it as, as, as I do this. But I wanna start here in, in, in Mark. We're gonna just start right here because Mark 1, 15 and 16, Jesus is beginning his public ministry. He opens his mouth and I want you to listen to what he says. Be up here on the screen. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the, the, proclaiming the good news. So this is the, the euangelion, the good news is the Greek word, and it's the gospel. And he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's here, it's now. It's, you know, and I'll talk about it. It's, it's, it's here, it's in front of you. Repent and believe the good news. Can I, can I say this? Because I'm gonna ask you at the end as a test. If, if, uh, if someone were to ask you if you could boil down Jesus's message, I mean, what was his message? I hope you would answer the kingdom of God. Now the other ones weren't wrong. But isn't it interesting, we can remember the memorable and miss the most important. I'm telling you, we're in the gospel of Matthew 52 times. I mean, it's like two a, two a chapter. Kingdom of God, he calls it the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom, kingdom of God. I'm just, it, it just pounds you. 162 times through the New Testament the kingdom of God. And so what I'm going to do on this racetrack up here, we're gonna move quickly, is we're gonna take the Bible from beginning to end. Because what I, what I want you to visually grasp is that in Mark, when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near, he is joining a story that began in Genesis 1. Now you will not read in Genesis 1 and 2, the kingdom of God, but can I tell you what you will see? You will see the 
pattern of the kingdom there and throughout the whole Bible. That's all I'm gonna do this morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move quickly. Uh, I'm gonna fill some of this in in three weeks, so, so stick with me. But let's start in the garden. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2. God creates the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. God, God puts humanity, creates humanity, puts humanity on this earth that he has created. And I want to, I won't read all the verses I'm gonna to mention today, but I'm gonna read these. I want you to listen to God's words in Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on earth. Do you notice God creates the heaven and earth? Did you notice that humanity is made, I'll put it here, in God's image? And did you notice that when when, when, when the image of God is described, that the first words that God uses to describe his image bearers tell us <laughs> he's talking about a kingdom. <laughs> now, why do I say that? Because what we understand from the whole story of the Bible is, and there's different ways to do this. And I'm also gonna put on the website, I didn't say this last service, but Joe, remind me. Y'all, I've, I've read extensively on this. So I've got these resources and I'm gonna, I've, I'm gonna put the top ones that I think are, are the best. So I'm borrowing, begging, borrowing and stealing up here. I'm nothing new to me. But what we understand the kingdom of God to, to always be, it's not just a place. Oh, there's the United Kingdoms over there on the other side of the ocean. There's the United Arab Emirates. No, no, the kingdom of God is always God's people in God's place under God's rule enjoying God's blessing. Everybody with me? So, so, so what, what's, what is, what's going on in the, in, in the created world as it is? Well, it's God's people in God's place, earth, under God's rule and enjoying God's blessing. Now, when he says image of God, what's just crazy, do you notice the first way to describe image of God is he says this to them. I want you to co-reign co-rule all of creation. Now, it, this almost sounds silly, but could you imagine a, a, applying for a job? What's the job? You're gonna, you're gonna rule the world. I, I'm not being silly when I say this, that that is how God made humanity. Not on our own, under his kingship, we co-reign and rule not a city, not a continent, creation. Do you hear the language? Subdue, have dominion, not with evil intent. Oh my gosh, don't, don't shade the darkness of the fall on those words yet. It's make the whole thing flourish and just enjoy it all under my rule. 
the kingdom is given and then the kingdom is lost. Genesis three, you got it all. Don't eat from this one tree. They ate from the tree. All that that represented the flourishing and fullness of life is lost. Why? Because rather than choosing to rule under God's rulership, they, Adam and Eve said, I don't know. I think we could do this better on our own. And it's exactly what they did. We call it the, the, the fall. The kingdom's lost. And, and do you notice that when, when they make that choice, they are, think about this, cast out of Eden. They're out of God's place. They're no longer under God's rule. And my goodness, no, they do not experience God's blessings, do they? And, and, and what we know happens in the fall, when the, in that choice that they make, and I, I'm just gonna phrase it in a silly way, just maybe so it'll stick with you, is that death and his friends, death and his friends, brokenness, evil, Murder, read your Bible. What happens after the fall? Murder. <laughs> you know, it, it's a total breakdown. <laughs> it's, it's the total opposite of what God had given them. Now in the midst of that, I've got this little verse I want you to note. And it's a little verse, but oh boy, it packs a wallop. In Genesis 3.15, God says, in the midst of you know, the consequences of the fall, this is my summary. God says, there will be a male child born of a woman who will one day crush the serpent's head and his heel will be bruised. Now, what does that mean? Well, what, what we understand that to be is the very first hint of the good news that's coming. That's very specific in the Hebrew, a male seed, a male child will be born of a woman, crush the serpent's head. That's very much a picture of will destroy the serpent. All of death and his friends are gonna be destroyed. He will be bruised on the heel. Now, let's just hold that, okay? Think of the Bible, remember we teach you this, the Bible came to us progressively. So there's this, what we call progressive revelation. So what's foggy over here in Genesis three, can I tell you something? It's gonna shine brightly over here in Right, the gospel. So the kingdom given, the kingdom lost, the kingdom promised. Genesis 12, one to three. Again, I'm not gonna read it, but I want you to note the verses. How's God gonna, because what God said right here is I'm gonna make it all right one day. How? Well, here's what he's revealed to us. Genesis 12, one to three, he chooses a man named Abraham. Why did he choose Abraham? Now, I'm really asking you this because I want you to think about it. Why did he choose Abraham? What's the answer the Bible gives us why he chose Abraham? Anybody want to venture it? I mean, don't be shy. He's faithful. Why, why else? Why? Generosity. Generosity, okay. Well, listen. You know what the Bible says? Because God wanted to. Can I tell you about Abraham. He worshiped pagan gods. I'm not putting y'all on the spot. I just want us to understand this. Abraham did nothing to be the chosen one. God in his freedom 
and out of his grace, picked a man named Abraham. Now hold that, because when you stand over here and ask, God, why did you choose me? Can I tell you why? Because he did. (laughs) It's not because of you. It's because of his grace. So he chooses this man, Abraham. Now here's how the plan's coming together. He says, Abraham, I'm gonna make of you a people. I'm gonna gonna make a nation out of you. I'm I'm gonna put you in this land and you're gonna be a blessing to the whole world. This This is the Abrahamic covenant. So he promises him a people, a land, and a blessing. By the way, this promise to Abraham, it's called an un, this is so important, unconditional covenant. Well, what do you mean unconditional covenant, Lloyd? I mean this. God said, I'm gonna do it, period. This is not, this is not a conditional covenant where God says, now if you'll do all these things, I'm gonna do this. This is an unconditional covenant. God said, I'm gonna do it. I'm, God said, I'm gonna do it, you see. This is so important as the story unfolds. Well, so God does it. And, and what does God do? He creates a nation called Israel. And I mean, the whole rest of the Bible, Old Testament is the story of Israel being the, 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 the covenant nation of God through which God has said, I'm gonna send a male child that's gonna make it all right. God says, I'm gonna make a promise with Abraham. Think of this, people land blessing. Doesn't that sound a lot like the kingdom? Does it to you? Yes, it does. And this nation Israel becomes what? God's people in God's place under God's rule, enjoying God's blessings. You say the Old Testament never mentions kingdom of God. Oh, yes, it does. There it is. (laughs) There's the kingdom of God, right? Now, time's sake, let me say this. They never enjoy it fully. Why? Because they can't keep the law perfectly. (laughs) Because they make idols. Because you remember Adam and Eve... You know, don't you stand over here sometimes with Adam and Eve and say, man, they had it all. Well, they decided they wanted their own way. Oh my gosh, Israel. I mean, you're unlike any nation in the world. You've got everything. You've got it all. And what did they do? What did they do? They said, ah, but I want that other God. (laughs) It's a familiar story. Now, God clarifies how he's going to make all things right when he makes another covenant, another promise, unconditional with a man named David. And so now you've got Israel. You knew they didn't have a king. They wanted a king and God gave him a king, gave him Saul. And then God chooses David, a man after his own heart. Second Samuel is, is, is the Davidic, second Samuel 7 is the Davidic covenant. Let me just say this. Just again, I'm trying to keep what's important and leave out what matters, but you may forget too soon. In the Davidic covenant, what does God do? But he takes all the promises to Abraham and he says, they're gonna be with David. But then, but then he says, this is fascinating. And he says, in David, there's gonna be a king that comes from you. 
and, and there will never not be a king from your line, David. So he, had, he adds this element of forever king. That, let that blow your mind for a moment. Unconditional. God says, I'm going to do it. Now, the, the, the story's beginning to, the, you know, the fog's beginning to lift just a little. David, the kingdom, you remember David, during the, David's dynasty, the kingdom was, was blessed. Can I say this? But, but may, I, may I add this too? Israel, the kingdom was always partial because they couldn't do it. And by the way, even David, oh my gosh, the experience of the kingdom of God for David. Yes, under David, don't we, we, we would note that they were God's people, place, rule, blessing, all of that. And guess what? When David dies, his son strays. When Solomon strays and dies, his son leaves the reservation. <laughs> Rehoboam. And God's people in God's place under God's rule enjoying God's blessing. Can I say this? They're, they're wiped out. The Northern Kingdom first. 100 years later, the Southern Kingdom. The kingdom's divided. You know, after David dies, it, it's divided. Can I say this? It's a total mess. And therefore, they are, watch this, exiled. Wait, wait, they're exiled. What do you mean? They're removed from the land. This is the story of the Bible. Can, can I just draw one line for you that I hope you've already drawn? Gosh, that sounds so much like what happened to Adam and Eve. No kidding. Does that make sense? No kidding. Couldn't couldn't keep it exiled. All of God's blessings, I'm gonna make idols, I'm gonna worship other kings, exiled. Y'all, it's no accident. This is the story of the Bible. Now, we go from, it's given, lost, promised, here's the kingdom king. They are in a total mess. I mean, they are just way off the reservation, off the tracks. The, 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 you know, there's no Jerusalem. I mean, it, it, it's there, but it's in shambles. So all these promises of God, what do they look like? Broken. There's no way. How can someone in David's line ever be king again? We are totally, I was going to use a bad word there and I stopped. But, because I do say those. I won't say it from here. But um, they are really in a bad place. And so the prophets, you see how we're walking through the Bible? We've gone from the historical and go through the poetic, now we're at the prophets. What do the prophets say? If you just boiled it down, if you take all the major and minor prophets, can I tell you what they say? They say this, the king and kingdom are coming. That's what they say. Because these people think it's all over. And the prophets say, no, you don't, you don't get it. I, you guys totally screwed up. You, you just made a total mess. You, you're unfaithful. 
can I tell you something? That's you, but, but can I say this? The king of all kings, he's always faithful. So he will never not be unfaithful. And so they, the prophets try to lift the people's eyes. They look, no, the king and his kingdom is coming. Two important verses, Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33. Let me just read Isaiah because you're gonna know this one. So they are in totally in you know, deep kimchi here and no hope. And Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah to say to them, in this dark place, and you're gonna know these verses. For to us, a child is born. He's speaking as if it's already happened. Why? It's the prophetic perfect because it's, it's, <laughs> because it's God's promise. You can talk about it as if it already happened. That's why he's speaking like this, prophetic perfect. A child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, government, kingdom, reign, rule. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. What? See that? It's like they would be going, what? what, what it's a child, but, he's, but the child's mighty God? Everlasting, what? <laughs> you know, this is, how do you hold this? You know, apart from the spirit of God helping them see in us. Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. Well, wait, wait, wait. This is, this is gonna be the line of David? Yes, yes, the, this is the line that was foretold hundreds of years ago. And by the way, right here, this is 800 years before Jesus. To establish and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In their darkest days, the king's coming, the kingdom's coming. Jeremiah, another very important passage, 31, 31 to 33, don't turn there, won't read it. I'll just say this. This is where God speaking through Jeremiah says, I, I, I'm gonna do something in the future. I'm gonna write my law on my people's hearts. Then they'll obey me from their heart. Whew. So we get in Jeremiah and we realize, wait, you know, all the problem back here was, yes, they, they behaved badly. But what do we know was the problem ultimately? Y'all, it was their heart. And God says, I'm gonna give you a new one. And the law is not gonna be written on stone tablets. It's gonna be written on your heart of flesh. And you'll obey me from within. Now, again, did they, did they get all the clarity we have when we get to the New Testament? No, but this is the story of God's faithfulness unfolding. Are, are you with me so far? We've just walked through the Old Testament because when we get to the end of the Old Testament, we stand here and you gotta wait 400 years before they hear from God again. How do, we, how do we get the feeling of 400 years? I don't know. We're, we're a country. We're just over 200 years old and we think, man, we're ancient. Can you imagine 400 years? And can I tell you the condition of God's promise, the nation, uh, when, when that silence is broken is a total mess. It's just kind of gross, actually, when you think about it. 
God's people, you know what? They're on the dirt, but guess what? They're under the rule of Rome. Uh, They've so distorted God's promises and laws that the religious leaders of of the day, when, when, when the silence is broken, we're learning this in Sermon on the Mount, aren't we? They've so twisted and contorted what God's intent that it's just a royal mess. People are hurting, broken. It's a lot like today. The silence is broken, y'all. Because after the prophets assure them of the kingdom, the kingdom is inaugurated. How? Because God sends his only son, Jesus, as a child in the manger. You know, it's probably a stone trowel. And this child... It's a baby. So you can imagine why they, were, they didn't quite get it. I wouldn't either. Wait, wait, wait. We're hoping for the king. And I'm telling you, when, when Jesus said to the hillside crowd on the Sermon on the Mount, um, when he said, the kingdom is here, they were like, yes, right? I mean, because that's what they've been waiting for. But, but when he came, I mean, think about it. When he came, he was a baby. Everybody missed him. And Carl and team's Christmas special, they were nowhere towns and nobody people. But it's interesting that God would put certain people to remind us who's in the baby. Do you remember the wise men? How about that? So God chooses some wise men. Now, it wasn't right at his birth. It was after. But when they went to Pharaoh, who did they say they were looking for? Can you tell us where the... Y'all, the wise men said, tell me where the king is. Boy, that made the the, the earthly king upset. Matthew 1, don't turn there. Let me say this. In Matthew 1, the book we're studying, so interesting how Matthew begins his gospel account. He begins it like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's just the first words out of his mouth. Is that why? Here's why. What does Matthew want us to see? He wants you to go, Jesus is the son of David who's the son of Abraham. You know, make my head explode. It's all there. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise all the way back in 315 that God would make all things right, that a, a male child would be born over a woman who would crush the serpent. Well, what does, what does Jesus do? He lets the serpent crush him. Are you kidding me? That's, again, it's like, this is so crazy. This is like, that, that's not how it would, should work. And that's exactly what they thought. But what do we know? Here's what we know, you all. The Bible makes it clear. The cross is the enthronement of the king. It's why he had a crown on his head of thorns. And Jesus, it's why they put a sign above him that said, King of the Jews. And Jesus died on that cross because 
He took all the sin of our heart upon himself and he paid the penalty our sin deserved, which is death, separation from God. He was buried and three days later, he rose again and he said, all who put their trust in me, your sins are forgiven, you're clothed in my righteousness. Do you know on the cross, death and friends thought they won and they lost. And every, now, now and, and Jesus, by the way, when, when, when he's here, now he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm the king. He's saying more than that. I'm the kingdom. What do you mean he's the kingdom? The person of God, in the place of God, under the rule of God, enjoying the blessings of God, perfectly, wholly, completely was Jesus. Did you notice everywhere Jesus went, death and his friends got blown out of the water. Sick people healed. Broken people made whole. Dead people raised. You see what I'm saying? He's the king. He's the kingdom. I gotta, I gotta stop. But I hope, I hope you get this picture. If I, I gotta add this last because then I won't be able to, Rob won't be able to do what he's gonna do next week. <laughs> so Jesus says the kingdom is right now. It's here. And yet, this is crazy. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. You just said your kingdom's here. You said it's here. And then Jesus goes, well, I want you to pray that it comes. Well, is it here or is it coming? Both. It is, as we say, the kingdom is now and not yet. It is now. It's real. Jesus came. He's present. The kingdom is where the king is. And all who put their trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you, the kingdom is in you, Christian. And the kingdom is not yet because it's not fully fulfilled. The fullness of all that God has in store for you and me, and may I say this, and the earth and all that is in it is yet to come. So Jesus says, pray the kingdom keeps coming. What do you mean, Jesus, pray the kingdom? Well, this, heaven, Rob covered this. Heaven has come to earth. And in this space right here, if you've put your life, your, your trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, listen, you, you, you're, you're, you're the king. I wanna be careful when I say this because some of you, some will, you know, there's some real arguments around this, but the kingdom is in, in us. And, and Jesus, here's what's, here's what's fascinating. So now in, in Christ, we are God's, say it, in God's, under God's, enjoying God's. Well, that's, that's, the, the, that's us. Now, here's what's, what's crazy is God says, now, what I want you to do is I want you to go into all the earth and take my kingdom. In fact, I want you to go to the farthest part. Well, you mean you're talking about way out here? Yeah, mm-hmm. And I want you to go to this tribe that's down here. Yeah, mm-hmm. And there's a people group that is here. And I want, do you see what I'm saying? That's, go. Have you ever, I said this earlier, this struck me when I was doing this. I've often stood over here with Adam and Eve and said, man, come on, you guys had it all. And you blew it. I, I, I think I, I think I would have done better. <laughs> 
Well, we wouldn't. We, they represent us perfectly. If you think, if you think that, may I, may I invite you to try an experiment? You're the people of God in God's place under God's rule with God's blessings. The Holy Spirit lives in you. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit. And now God, you know what God's saying to you and I? He's saying what he said to Adam and Eve. Go into the whole world and bless it. The, the earth, people, like, like the earth, the ground, all that is in it and the people in it. So, so here you go. Let's see if you do better than Adam and Eve. Can I tell you? You won't, I don't. <laughs> all right, I will stop there. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out because I want us to respond to this first in application. I've got two applications I'm gonna throw up here on the screen. Again, this is an unfinished message, but I hope you, it's enough that goes, oh, oh, oh my gosh, that's the story. Here's, here's some lessons to consider. The only certainty in life is the unfaithfulness of humanity and the faithfulness of God. I, I just looked at this story and, I, and I'm thinking, what is it? And that's what it's saying to me. It's saying, we are, we're just an unfaithful people and he's a faithful God. Oh my goodness, doesn't that, doesn't that, would it move us to worship him? Second thing, I'm not simply a Christian going to heaven. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom called to express and extend the values and work of his kingdom right now. Y'all, Jesus didn't come to save us so that we're guaranteed that one day we'll go to heaven. Jesus came to save a people for himself, a kingdom, so to speak, the church and the kingdom are distinct, but connected, that we would on this planet live the values of the kingdom. You talk about meaning in life, that's why we're on the planet. And we're citizens of the kingdom. Is kingdom citizenship, this is Rob's message next week. You know, does kingdom, does kingdom citizenship mark everything we do? Every choice you make, every word you say, every dollar you spend. I'm serious. Let's stand together, ponder those for a moment. And it may be, and I think it's appropriate, we'll sing in a moment of the implications of this truth. And we'll declare it in our praise. Consider for a moment these lessons for you.